Hi, and welcome to Journey to a Dream. Now, this is a podcast where I talk to people who are involved in motorcycle racing in some way here on the Isle of Man, whether it's something that they've always wanted to do to race over here or whether they're involved in the background supporting others and promoting that sort of talent. One of the things I have found is that there is a tendency for this obsession, and I think we can call it that by now, to run in families. Let's meet today's guests. My name's Anthony Redmond, known as Tony. I'm 48 and I work at Red's Garage, which is my garage. I'm Aaron Redmond. I'm his uh, son. I'm 15. Well, let's start with you then, Tony. People might detect from the accent you're not from the Isle of Man. Where are you born and bred? Uh, originally from Manchester and I've been coming to the island all, all my life. We have family over here. So I've been coming since I was a baby and we've lived on the island as a family since 2017, uh, so a few years now. Probably just not quite half of Aaron's life, but not far from it. And what was it that made you decide to, to come over here and live permanently? Just the, the environment, the lifestyle. Obviously, coming as a child for summer holidays, everything was magical when I come to the island as a child. And then as an adult, it was magical again with the racing. We used to come for two, three weeks for the Manx Grand Prix initially. And then the same for TT. And obviously for Southern 100 would be over for a week. It's just a magical place and it just took me in. I knew that the kids had to be brought up here. It changed their lives. So we made the move in 17 and I don't regret it. So in terms of motorcycling then, was that something that's always been an interest of yours? For me, yes. Uh, like I say, coming over as a child... Occasionally it happened where there was racing going on, which I think was the Manx Grand Prix. I'm not too sure because it's only small, but by the age of like 13, 14, I was over when the Manx Grand Prix was on. And to be honest, I used to get a little bit bored. I'd go with my uncle to the Black Dub to marshal. I was too young to marshal myself, so me and my friends would be off playing in the field. We'd watch one or two bikes and we'd go off playing in the fields and the river. That's probably more 13. Then 14, I remember being over. And we'd gone to Ballacrane to watch the racing. And these bikes were coming. Yeah, they go. But you quickly sort of lose interest until a bike come round, skidded off the wall, went down. And we're like, oh, oh, look at this. You know, we were all shocked, me and my friend. And what amazed me then was they carried on racing. <laughs> it was flagged. The yellow flag's all safe. The guy eventually stood up. He was fine. But we were gobsmacked that this race was carrying on. We've never really seen an accident, and yeah, it, something clicked that day. Then this is a proper, serious, magical thing, and yeah, I was hooked from there. That's an incredible way to get hooked, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Once that happened, what sort of journey did you take then? Uh, well, I've been into bikes and stuff just growing up, but I was from where we come from in the centre of Manchester. There was no opportunities to really have motorbikes. I'd ask my parents, like probably a lot of kids do, for bikes. And my dad wasn't into bikes. Mum wasn't really into bikes. Although my uncles on the island had bikes. And I was asking for bikes. And they said, oh, if you want a bike, you've got to buy one yourself. So double paper round, morning and evening, £3 a week. <laughs> I'm not that old. It was just, <laughs> there was a lot of competition. Uh, managed to get an RD50 which is not an off-road bike. This is at the age of 14. This is sort of anyone that knows them, you know, we flipped the handlebars over, got it more of a racing-style bike, and on the local field, we made our own TT course at that young age. It was like 50 quid, this bike. And like I say, there was no official 
motocross tracks or trials tracks or anything we have on the island probably you know shouldn't have been on there to be honest on this waste ground but it's my bikes it didn't really mind and then we progressed that progressed into passing the cbt and getting a bike on the road at 16 couldn't wait for that to happen just a few days after my birthday and then i was out on the road but there was no official racing until probably about 25 26 i didn't realize normal people could race motorbikes I thought it was something on TV or for, you know, superheroes. I love the fact that you were told <laughs> you couldn't get a bike unless you paid for it yourselves. And I imagine maybe when a parent says that, they're thinking, yeah, never going to happen. Well, yeah, that's it, because that would normally be enough to put you off. But no, with me, I basically walked that paper around making bike noises. I'm not sure if anyone else does <laughs> that. I did. Aaron, let's bring you in here. I'm just wondering how different maybe your experience was. Or do you ever remember, I suppose, at a time where you weren't interested in bikes? Ever since I was born, I was in the paddock, you know, like at track racing and coming over here. So I, I've always been around bikes and I've like always been like uh, seeing people racing. You know, I've always had a bit of an interest in it, but I never enjoyed watching it, to be honest. I always got like a little bit bored or I just wanted to do it myself. I mean, we used to go racing and all of a sudden there's a little boy there in the way and stuff. <sighs> take him and this and then I remember at Darlymore Green Ant racing team and the sidecar they used to get the kids in on the ride up to the holding area these kids would put a massive helmet on sit on the chair with the rider and the passenger and they'd just have a five mile an hour little ride up to the holding area and then be chucked off but the way these kids come back Aaron included with this massive smile I think that was the very first taster of what it was like do you remember him being a baby at Manx Grand Prix and every time a bike went past he was crying we had to cover his ears up <laughs> so maybe that's where they're not watching bit come into it but it's interesting though because I mean it sounds like you were quite similar at his sort of age there was no desire to sit there and watch other people do it just wanted to be out there doing it yourself just wanted to do it yeah i enjoy watching more now than when i was young you, you look at the bikes and you just oh, i want to go you know it's probably a little bit selfish you just want to have a go of it for me it was like i say it's like 25 26 i started working with a, a chap i was a motorcycle courier for five years in manchester because i just couldn't believe i could ride a bike and get paid rode this bike and i got a job tnt went working there delivering mobile phones and the first day i met this lad lee he's like oh you do north manchester i'll do south and this is the way it worked a couple of days in he mentioned that he raced motorbikes I was like, what you race more yeah yeah i race bikes and it was small circuit three sisters in wigan yeah i'm going next month come along have, have a look so we went went along and the first thing there probably like most racers I was watching with an interest, but I was thinking, I could go faster than that. <laughs> and I think once you think that, that's it. You know, that, that was the start of it. I had my road bikes, my courier bikes, which are owned by yourself, but I didn't have any other bikes to do it on. So by now we're getting up to probably 1997. I come over to the TT with my dad. My dad wasn't into bikes, but me being a rowdy teenager, I think he'd seen it as a way of us bonding. So we, we booked two weeks. Come stay at my uncle's in Peel, Uncle Alan. We stayed there and we both come on my KR1S 250. Me and my dad on this little two-stroke bike. Could your dad ride a bike at all? No, not at all. He just sat in the back, put his arms around me and lay on my back and that was it. Trusting his teenage son. So we come over, we had two weeks. I think it was really sunny in 97, but the memory's sunny anyway. Had a proper blast. 
the following year dad was working so he, so i come with a friend on a bike and we started coming there's more and more of us each year all staying on clouds he put us all up in peel put up with us you know coming at 2 3 a.m and it'd be like nights out get up in the afternoon blasting the bikes nights out it's Oh, Fantastic. you were living the dream. Living the dream before the kids sort of thing. <laughs> I wish you could see Aaron's face at that point. <laughs> then it was 2000, this particular year. And me and my friend, there's only two of us who come this year. I was parked at um, Little London, Cronkivody, at the crossroads. And we were up in the field watching the bikes going past. Come back and there'd been a, a little accident. There's a member of the public's handbrake had come off, moved the car just a metre or so and gone into a row of bikes. And mine was one of them, oh. so it damaged the petrol tank, the fairing, the exhaust. Still okay to use the bike for the holiday, no problem. Got back, told the insurance and stuff. And anyway, they paid me out for that bike. I think it was 1,200 quid for this CBR 600 for the damage. So that money went on to race fairings and the race exhaust, stuff like that. Now, this bike had just over 60,000 miles on it. Put the fairings on, put the exhaust on. Got some used intermediate race tyres, put them on. And then entered my first race at Mallory Park. And that was my um, start to racing on this old CBR 600. And how did you do? Tenth in the New Era Super Club meeting. So it was pretty good considering the sort of bikes that were there. I still had all these standard brake lines. The bike had never been near Dino. I didn't know what Dino was at that time. So it was a pretty good run. And I was hooked. That was it. You know, I loved it actually riding the bike i felt so pleased that's been it since then and i'm guessing when you've done as well as that with a fairly i mean it was obviously still expensive but a fairly modest setup in the grand scheme of things you're thinking okay what else can i do well yeah i mean we didn't have anyone to tell us what bikes to have or what we should have tire warmers what type of tires we just going what everyone else had in the paddock so it's just been a massive learning curve every year even now still learning which i think has been a big advantage for aaron because we sort of know what's needed whereas we had to learn it and pick it up and you were getting second-hand generators and that'd break a week later and tire warmers you you know working longer to buy tire warmers say or particular tools and stuff like that so it took a long time to get all this stuff together and realize how expensive it all is and it's not just expense in terms of, of finance i suppose it's it's time as well oh yeah it takes a time but i think this is one of the things that i like about racing it isn't just a time on the bike basically our life keeps us going throughout the year so we get to winter time there's no actual bikes going on but this is when we're planning new bikes then we've got the preparation of bikes we're writing down dates in the calendar for the racing ahead for the season ahead it's just our life revolves around racing and we're never really bored because of that we've got so much to do and that's what i like and that's what i like to show the young ones give them a bit of a sense of purpose because once you're into it you know you've got that target i think a lot of the teenage lads and girls if they've not got that sense of purpose can run off the rails a bit they might be hanging around parks and stuff like that if they're racing well, you haven't got time for that stuff you're racing you need to do this you need to do that you need to plan these dates so yeah it's that sense of purpose for me that so from that parents point of view you've got as you say that that sense of purpose and knowing that actually Aaron's got very little time for anything else <laughs> if, he, if he's in this world there will be some people who though who worry about the safety side of things because it is a dangerous sport where do you sit from that point of view as a parent it is dangerous you're riding bikes that is dangerous but we still regularly go over to Manchester and I know from my experience and what I've seen growing up the late 80s early 90s 
being Aaron's age in Manchester, riding bikes in a controlled environment with an ambulance or two parked up with experienced people knowing what they're doing. I know what is the safest thing and it's probably doing it in that controlled environment. You only have to look on the news and see what's going on in places like Manchester, not just Manchester, but, you know, cities. And I think that's dangerous. Kids making their own fun without any control, that's dangerous. Kids maybe not finding fun, sitting in the bedroom, feeling down, you know, running themselves down. I think that's dangerous. So in the balance, I know it can be seen as dangerous riding bikes and stuff, but they've got all the safety gear that's required. ACU, they get the scrutineers up at Andrea's Racing, inspect the clothing every time, inspect the bikes before they go out. So it's all made safe, as safe as it can be riding a bike. But rather that than sort of 12 o'clock on some bike in the middle of a park somewhere with no helmet in a pair of trainers. So for me, we choose this and I think it's all right. Aaron, taking a step back, what do you remember about the decision to move the family over here to the Isle of Man and what do you remember thinking about that at the time? To be honest, I, I don't really remember many conversations about it. I knew that we were going to a different place. I knew we were leaving. I was like leaving all my mates. But it was a good change, definitely, because I've been to the Isle of Man quite a lot and I did really like it. It was a, a fantasy land compared to Manchester. It was a big change for me. Like my primary school had 500 kids in it in Manchester. Then I went to Blaff School and it had a 60 in total. But it, it was better, definitely. So I wasn't getting mixed in with the wrong crowd kind of thing. We're talking a little bit about how you've been doing competitively in a moment Aaron but your first time racing over here Tony on the roads what was it 2007 the MGP yeah so entered the Manx Grand Prix 2007 I did want to do it in 06 and that was my plan and I had a national license but the rule had just changed because before that it was national license for six months and you could enter and they just changed it and you had to have it for 12 so that was 06 was skipped and that was such a long time to wait what is that like from a rider's point of view when you are geared up you think you've done what you need to do and suddenly you feel like the rug's been swept from underneath you well it was early in 2006 when the regulations come out and the rule changes were out so it wasn't last minute i did no but even though it's probably you know just into my 30s it was still another year so we did come over on holiday with the lads and we still blasted the bikes around and watched everyone else and we used that time to hang around the paddock and see what went on as far as scrutineering and stuff like that so it was a blessing in disguise really at the time it didn't seem like that but looking back on it at least we sort of looked around the paddock seen how things worked found out where the race office was worked out well and you had some really good success in the mgp what top 10 finishes over the next few years yeah there's a few top 10 finishes which just come along i just love still do love riding bikes and then to go around the mountain as everyone says they just want to do it that once so it was my life goal to go around the mountain my uncle alan that i mentioned before alan young from peel we sort of started talking three four times a night on the phone it's all about manx Grand Prix and what we need to do i was racing a big bike on the short circuits in uk which is a honda sp1 but he was saying let's get a smaller bike for the manx Grand Prix, which was a little Yamaha 400. So he said, run that, and you can learn the circuit a bit better with that. So I sold this big bike what I'd built up, you know, to owning. Bought this little 400. Right, come up to Jerby. Run over at Jerby. A bit of practice, really, of packing the bike into a van, organising your mates, come to Jerby, because all that, getting the boat to go racing and 
filling out paperwork and stuff is all something new for lads coming from say UK or Ireland to the Isle of Man so we run at Jerby I think I beat Dave Moffat but I don't know don't like to mention it I'll say that quietly check the result sheets in a little 400 race but that was fantastic I was loving it you know I'm telling everyone at home I've got a race in the Isle of Man what the TT not quite the TT no but it's Jerby so we run there and then we come back again in I think it was May for the Jerby road race and a race there and that was my first ever actual time on the road which after doing like hundreds of thousands of miles as a bike or it i found it hard to on the right hand side of the road you know on the closed roads and i was kept looking at people's driveways thinking is something gonna pull out but after that i come in i said uncle i said what do you think of road racing and i was like it's everything i thought it'd be <laughs> i can't believe it that was me click then and then it obviously come back in august then for manx Grand Prix 2007 which didn't quite go to plan really but what happened been doing fantastic i had this practice engine for all week which cost me 200 quid in my little yammy 400 i used that all week and i'd lent 1600 pound off my uncle al to build this special quick engine just for the race and my 200 pound engine done me fantastic all week put the special engine in we've done one lap to run it in which was the last night of practice and then in the race i set off alongside ollie linsdale we were the first two 400s away newcomer c we set off and i think i lasted six miles and my super duper engine had melted that was it in the meantime uncle al had got me a cbr 600 it was like 1500 quid that he said you might as well turn up with two bikes we get double practice and we'll enter it into the senior but the senior race that year in 07 was rained off so i didn't get to race that so my newcomers year done six racing miles and that was the end of that had oh. to wait till 08 and i owed 1600 quid how was uncle al about that he was all right but he sat waiting for his money oh eight was better though oh eight was better so going back to 07 after that come to an end i was like yeah my life was made then you know i've done the manx Grand Prix. I'm like what are you gonna do now and it's like well oh wait well we need better bikes and well, i've got to pay that money uncle al so i had to put the little 400 up for sale but with the 200 pound engine so this was a standard bike now it wasn't worth a thing it was worth 1600 quid to be honest with all the spares put it on ebay and a chap just down the road from me in wilmslow probably about 30 minutes sent me a message he said oh would you be able to deliver this bike i've not got a van yeah of course but i was thinking why, why are you buying a race bike if you've not got a van so anyway me and mate loaded it up and stuff and we went along took it up there and we chatting steve jackson this chap was called talking 10 or 20 minutes said oh i've actually seen you at the manx grand prix i was watching your progress you've done really well shame about the engine stuff he said if i get this bike right would you ride it for me uh, next year so i was like i'd gone from the most you know what driving there to give this bike away to basically break even pay my debt off to then being offered to ride the bike again the following year i don't think i sat on the seat on the way back in the van i was just like stood up pressing the pedals so excited and then the following year we went to Cookstown in ireland i'd never been to ireland before with the help of steve and we raced the bike the little 400 there and we progressed then on to seeing a 650 twin one of the first ones out there so we said right we'll get one then for the manx and the following year we had the 650 and uncle al sold the 1500 pound bike and we bought a better cbr 600 so it's a lot better in a way just for like a chance meeting somebody's buying something off ebay and it just literally almost changed the 
the course of your racing career. Yeah, well, I think he'd seen the bike advertised and he'd seen my big long description and must have realised that this, you know, was being sold to pay off money, sort of thing. And we were kind of stuck with no bike, with no bike for the future. So he really helped us out. Then Steve stuck with us, helping out for a good few years after that. Brought me to the Southern Hundred for the first time, and I wouldn't have been able to do as much racing as I did without that help from Steve at that time. It's always been a little bit like that where people have helped out each year because in your 30s and younger than that you're trying to buy the bike you've still got life you've still got mortgage still got bills to pay you've got this addiction to racing where you need to get the money but it only goes so far we didn't really have credit cards and finance what you've got now it's just what you could actually get so we've never had any top bikes or anything like that we're starting to get them now someone's starting to cost seriously now but for myself it's just been get what you can get and i've enjoyed it and i've not really been at the front i would say in bike racing i've won one or two now and again around the mountain i'm pleased with my riding around the mountain for what we've got it becomes more apparent to higher level you go sort of tt and stuff like that if your bike's 10 mile an hour down on a straight that will make a big effect over a two hour race your result will you'll be at the back although the overall speed that you're traveling at around bends and stuff is not that much slower than the top guys and you can see it in an average you know what we've got hitman at 136 and maybe me my fastest now is 121 is a 15 mile an hour average speed which is not i could probably run that for a few seconds you know not for now but i don't know about that (laughs) you went to the the tt 2015 i think it was yeah 2015 was the first tt Really just because the Manx Grand Prix limited on the CC of bike and for me again because we can't afford the faster smaller bikes a standard bigger bike we could afford and that was allowed in TT so we went to TT and yeah with a couple of guys Green Ant Racing that I mentioned before with the sidecar team they said we'll get a bike a Green Ant Racing bike a GSX-R1000 if you want to ride it so we went to TT with that and yeah that certainly opened your eyes was it very different the way it's run and everything was, was similar it's just different faces it, you can see it's more commercial for TT which is a good thing you know attract attract sort of uh, money coming in to the island you could see that you have to be a little bit cleaner and smarter and out on the bike the lap times to be honest you'll find a lot of people a similar speed on a 600cc bike to a 1000cc bike which is really amazing if you look at result sheets for different riders i mean we've got i think dunlop now on a 600 doing 130 mile an hour average lap which most of the field would be happy if you do 130 on the big bike so it's not really to be wrapped up into cc's of bikes and styles but a tt you will get if you own a thousand cc standard thousand cc bike you can get loads of miles without it costing so much money and there's four races for that bike it can be entered in super bike race, two super stock races now, and the senior race. So it's budget guy's choice is to have the thousand over the smaller bike. So there you are then. You are continuing with your racing career. And at home, you have this little boy who's got a bit of an interest in bikes, which was to be expected growing up around the paddock. At what point, Tony, did you realise that actually this was something that Aaron was, was going to take seriously? His sister Kater. He's a little bit older she's 19 now and she had a quad she's like six and i think aaron was he was less than two when he first rode that it was this little rev and gold quad we got a little video of it and his feet don't even touch the foot pegs and he was just open mouth and 
we put a little restrictor on it so you could only go at walking pace. But he's just riding around this field on his bike and if you tried to get him off, he wouldn't let go of the handlebar. <laughs> Pull a cord out the back would cut the engine out so he'd have to stop, but he wouldn't let go of the bars and he wouldn't give it his sister back. <laughs> so we knew he had a bit of an interest <laughs> really early on. But we couldn't really have motocross bikes and stuff where we lived. Again, there was nowhere for it. We did have a garage, but you couldn't leave bikes in there, to be honest. So we didn't really do much motocross or anything. Then when we come over to the island, Aaron was eight, and we're only four miles from Jerby Short Circuit. We used to go up there watching, and we seen there was go-karts on. So we just look in there, and one of the dads, uh, Mark Lane, uh, Fenella's dad, I said, oh, I've got a cart there and a load of boxes. You can have it for 100 quid if you want it. Get him into it. So we bought this little cart for 100 quid and that. That was a I thought that's not too bad, hundred quid. They don't take much petrol. <laughs> Put it together, which is enjoyable just to do that. Got it together, went out to the racing and then he was enjoying that, doing on the racing and another dad, Lee Batty, oh my lad's cart's for sale. Let him have a go in this one. Went round, he was three seconds quicker in this car, but <laughs> this cart was now fifteen hundred quid. And you run at the go karts till you were twelve yeah, and that season we got an Aprilia RS125, a single cylinder, and I was like switching between the two. You were doing race school with uh, Gary Radcliffe and the Carton at the same time, and I had to decide then at the end of the season which one I wanted to focus on because it is hard, you know, doing both. Yeah, you're you're always in the need of parts yeah. and stuff mm. like that. So it's like, what do you prefer? I didn't want to push him into the bikes. He's now got like an amazing 125 go kart which are serious, you know, the 70-mile-an-hour go-karts. We had a trip to UK in the go-karts racing there, which was, you know, fantastic. And he had a choice then, go-karts or bikes. He wasn't sort of forced into the bikes. How easy was it for you to make the decision, Aaron? Quite easy. I'd been uh, racing karts for three years then. I just got a little bit bored of it, to be honest. It was it was a bit repetitive to me. And um, I don't know how to say this in the best way, but, like, the risk wasn't there. I felt too safe for like my adrenaline what have you passed down let me get this off his mum but he sort of dabbled into the bikes like Aaron mentioned we got Gary Radcliffe took him out on the race school really steady on this little 125 I didn't mind if he wanted to stick with the carts or the bikes they were both going to be as expensive as each <laughs> other but he did he chose a bike he said no I'm not bothered in the carts now so that was up for sale and at this time I was 12 because to get a, an official ACU license for road racing then which is only a few years back the minimum age was 12 it's now gone to 14 the year after it went to 13 and then to 14 which it is now so you've got to be 14 to be able to ride out at Jerba. And we've got a couple of kids at R14, Billy Neen, Sean Crone, Anne's friends. We need some more to come along as well. I think it's interesting. Some people might not realise just what opportunities there are for young teenagers over here to develop their skills. This is it. I and mean, it seems a million miles away. Everyone on the island watches Mountain Pre and TT and sees these bikes, but they may not be sure of how to get into it or how to get the kids into it. They don't have to be superstars or anything like that. A lot will go into motocross if the parents are into bikes it's easy like mine weren't it's a little bit hard you don't understand what's involved and there is motocross there's trials there is the go-karts or there's the road racing if just you know 14 upwards to come along but that's that's the best thing to do is just come up to a meeting have a chat with anyone in the paddock or myself i'm a riders rep for the juniors so that's sort of under 18s they can come and can show them stuff there's probably even a chance of digging a bike out somewhere and they come along and they would need an adult 
to be with him. If they come along to one of our meetings at Jerbyn's, you know, if they had an interest, see what goes into it, what's required, and find out all the info. And I suppose, actually, we talk a lot about it being physically on a machine, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that perhaps people can get involved with. Well, this is it. We have marshals, so from the age of 16, we have a group of marshals run by Mike Brown. He's chief marshal, along with Emma Limerick. We have a big group of marshals that are there every week. We won't be able to race without marshals, so all the riders respect the marshals. The marshals are out there in the wind and the rain. We play on the bikes. Dinner time up at Jerby, they'll come, have a burger and chat with the riders. And for the likes of like Aaron and Sean and some of the slightly older lads, Reese Callister, Alexander Galloway, that have been doing it a few more years, these marshals have seen them guys come from little kids wobbling round into... Oh, look how they're doing and they will they'll come along the message on facebook he's riding well or she's riding well you know and it just makes his one big family up at andrea's racing there's also being part of the committee or helping out you know someone can always help out in different ways not just the riding and talking about talent aaron how are you doing competitively i'm quite proud of how i've been doing like the last two years um this year i got second in the up to 500 or the lightweight championship behind uh, dave moffat's nephew brian moffat i feel like i've done really well this year it's my first time on the 400 well the first season and uh, the year before that, I uh, won the single cylinder solo championship, which was my first full year racing on the 125 down the uh, 300 single. But yeah, I'm definitely getting quicker. I'm right down into the 115s now. Like, well, one off and 115. It's getting there. And you are still only 15. I mean, you've yeah. just, as we're talking, you've just done your GCSE mock. So there's a lot going on in your life at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It's not very easy. And I never really have a rest on any of the weekends, but it all pays off as soon as I get on the bike. As soon as I let the clutch out, it's all it's all worth it, definitely. And Tony, what's it like from your point of view, just seeing how good he is? I'm really proud of him. To see how he's come along, he's listened. Been a couple of slip-offs, but that's bikes and they've got two wheels and don't balance themselves. But yeah, he's listened to what I said and we don't always get on, you know, sometimes. Oh, what do you argue I'll, about? He thinks he's faster <laughs> than me. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. No, we, we have little disagreements and it's father and son at this age. Sometimes he'll listen to other people more than he will me, which is fine. I understand it. And I'm super proud of how he's progressed and how he listens. When we are racing, it's a serious thing. You know, if someone jumps on a bike and just opens the throttle, they could quickly put it in the grass and hurt themselves. But he's listened and he's built up. Going back for the end of 21, beginning of 22, he's on a a slower sort of bike and he was ending up last in the races and a lot of it was down to the bike but I knew he had more to learn on that bike rather than getting a faster one and maybe go a few places up he needed to learn properly on the bike so he, he did have a bit of frustration on this small bike but I think now when he looks back he can understand what it was about is to make him learn how to ride properly get the most out of that bike then we progressed to the next bike so I'm, I'm proud of him for listening to that do you have to go out and do your own paper round to finance things, Aaron? Uh, luckily, no, but I, I do uh, help around at the garage a little bit. I think it's important, isn't it, I guess, from your point of view, Tony, that there's an understanding of just how much money this costs. And you said something really interesting earlier, that a lot of your finance now is probably directed to Aaron. Yeah, I've sort of realised now there's two races <laughs> and one wage. Well, he's at school, but hopefully he's not got too long. I think he leaves 
next year, sort of dream time. So maybe he can start earning a wage up at the garage then. One thing that I'm also proud of is that he understands he has to help out. He understands he comes to the garage show, which is he finishes school in Ramsey, he'll get the bus and come to Douglas and sometimes do some evenings helping out in the garage. And he understands the figures, what's involved, and he understands you know it'd be £100, £200 we earn doing a job and that may cover the cost of one back tyre so it doesn't just all come on a plate he understands what's involved to get these parts and fuel and entry fees and stuff so I'm also proud of him for learning that once he does leave school he'll learn properly (laughs) (laughs) So Aaron as you're sitting here now if I were to ask you what is the dream what do you think you'd say? Like most uh, racers' dreams, it's to win the TT, the senior race. But at the very least, just do it. I'm fascinated with how they can go so fast around, like, all the bumps and the turns and all that on the mountain. I just want to do it myself. Yeah, I think that is the main objective, but not just to do it once, to hopefully make a career out of it and have something to look forward to every year, to, to work towards, like, to do the TT. So you've got a really busy few months coming up. So you've just had your your GCSE mocks. What's the immediate plan? Do you know what you're going to do once you leave school? Hopefully go to college and do the motor vehicle course for a couple of years uh, whilst working at the garage part-time and uh, save up some money and hopefully be able to go to the um, motorcycle mechanic college in uh, Preston. That would be um, an ideal plan, but we'll just see how it works out. And Tony, from your point of view, what's your career dream as we speak right now? For me, racing bikes has always just been a hobby and you know, I really it keeps me going as we said before. It's just it's what I live for. Again, I didn't like watching racing, but now watching Aaron, I'm starting to like seeing how he does, seeing how all the young lads and lasses are doing that and just racing. I, I get a proper kick out of watching them. Not enough to stop myself just yet. I've still got some more business to take care of with my own racing, but certainly I've put three bike entries in for TT for 24. I've just got hold of a nice classic bike. A classic super bike for the Manx Grand Prix, which we're working on. We're just building a bike for Aaron for next year, a new Aprilia, which I've tried for size, and I may be able to borrow that for TT if he lets me. We'll, we'll see for the super twin race. Yeah, but we will see. After last year, I mean, I questioned myself at 40 hours, thinking, oh, is, it, is it about time now? And I come in smiling so much from TT. just feel so lucky that I can do it. When you think there's only 50 people allowed to start in a big bike race around the TT, and I'm one of them 50, I just feel so happy about it. We've done six laps seeing you come in. You see your friends and you're just giving them a hug and it's hard to even talk. You know, you're so full of emotion. And that keeps me going then till the following TT. And the bond, I mean, you talked about your dad coming over here with no real interest in bikes, but doing that because he wanted to connect with you. Having that connection between the two of you must be quite special one thing that's been good as he's grown up his mum sort of let him have the odd afternoon off school and stuff and he's come to ireland so we've gone racing in ireland we've done a few meetings there he's been to northwest been to cookstown and i think that time father and son living in the van living in the caravan i think that's so special one of the most memorable was 21 we went to armoy so i'd never been to the armoy road races before to even watch and me and Aaron went, uh, you were, Aaron was 13 then, and we went in the van, we went on a scooter, due to the boats, we were there on a Tuesday, that was the closest sailing, first practice was Friday, so we had them, we had Wednesday and Thursday for a bit of sightseeing, 
around Port Rush and pictures of us near these caves and Giant's Causeway on the big wheel. So it was a bit of a boys' holiday, bonding holiday. And then we were constantly doing laps around the circuit on a scooter two up. Chris Kindling was commentating at the time, so we kept seeing him going to the shop and beeping into two strangers on a scooter. <laughs> Wave back, I don't think he knew who it was. So we do laps there, then we had two bikes we had the big bike and the super twin and i didn't realize but uh, you had to take your bike from the van down to the holding area put your tire warmers in there the trouble was had to be 16 to be in the holding area so my mechanic was only 13 so he wasn't allowed to help so it worked out where we couldn't have any tire warmers so i left the big bike in after practice and we just used the super twin uh, so we'd done one race in the super twin with no tire warmers or anything but we won it and i won that race come in just seeing rna he was bouncing like a little rabbit, you know, up at the fence. We had a big hug. We got some grass and what more could you ask for in life? A father and son to go away, have a few days, take part in a race where it was learning for me as well because I'd never been there. Done a race, we won it with his help, you know, spannering. And then we come home on the boat and that, that'll stick with me for a long time. So I'm super proud of that. And it won't be long, Aaron, before it's your dad jumping up and down like <laughs> a rabbit watching you come in first yeah. place. It is uh, the middle of December as we're talking and Aaron, one of the things um, I've spoken to other people about is how difficult it can be at this time of year because there's not so much going on. How do you find it? It is quite a big thing for me, especially this year, you know, because I'm like more into the bikes and I'll spend more time around them, but we've got a lot to do kind of thing. We've got a new bike, we've got to build it all. And I still don't think that we'll have a weekend off, but it's just not riding the bike, but we're still around bikes. We have like got something to do. We won't be sitting around twiddling our thumbs kind of thing. Will any of your Christmas presents not be bike related? I doubt it. What are you asking Santa Claus for this year? Not really anything because we've we have just stretched our budget a lot to get this new bike and all the, the parts for it. You don't really realise until like you going about getting one that how much everything is. We did build the four hundred the year before. Well that ended up being like half the price, you know, because it was a smaller bike. That was more made for like commuting than being a, a performance machine. I mean, we have just been on holiday yeah. for a week to Lanzarote. That's our second holiday abroad as a family. My wife, Shelley, insisted we were definitely going on a holiday. And so much so, she has a full-time job. Then she comes to the garage in the evening after her job. And then she took on a Saturday job to save up for this holiday. We weren't allowed to know any figures, what she'd saved or everything, because she's done it before, and we've ended up spending the money on bikes or bike parts. So she kept it secret. It's thanks to her working three jobs, if you like, we, we went away. But normally, we don't go away on holiday unless it's bike-related. But that's a sacrifice on, on the wife's, you know, and Shelley's sort of part, and Katie my daughter they sacrifice that because they know what goes on when we were in uk they would come over for a week or so for tt or manx grand prix whatever we were doing and that was kind of the holiday the full family's got to be involved really well just finally if anyone is listening perhaps they'd like to find out more about the andrus racing association perhaps aaron there's somebody sort of in their early teenage years who've got a little bit of an inkling that oh maybe i'd quite like to have a go what would you say to them? Just ask your parents about it. Try and get some more information on it. Don't hesitate to um, send my dad or me a message on Facebook if you want to know anything. Go to some of the rounds, you know, watch, talk to some people. And, uh, that, I think that is the best way to get into it. Would you change anything, Tony? 
do you regret any of the time and money invested in it? No, not at all. I, I've learned and I know where I could have made changes and been better for my own racing. And like I say, it's for me, it's been a way of life and it's given me a purpose. And them times what everyone has when they're feeling down and stuff like that, we only have to look forward to, say, a date in the calendar for a race meeting or a practice day or something. And we haven't got time to be down or we haven't got time to, to moan about this. We've got to crack on and get on with it. And so, no, been the way of life and it is the way of life and it'll continue you know for as long as I can do it and then hopefully once I'm too old for the bikes I'll be able to concentrate on Aaron or the young lads and lassies just to get them into it and and show them a different side if you can just get them at that younger age and they've got a focus and it can bring them through they can go off in the different way whatever they like Katie my daughter tried the pit bikes and she tried it and she come off a couple of times and stuff but she did try it seeing what it was all about but then she got a guitar and started a band and you know best Isle of Man band 23 they won that give us the name of them uh, dropkick the fish and I'm so proud of her for doing that but she did try the bikes and she went off that way but that's all they need to get him through that little age and bikes for us is the way of doing it and then they find their own feet so i just think it's just giving them that sense of purpose something to see them through and whether they progress and keep doing it is up to them if they find something else it's fine but just having that little bit to get them through the hard years is the important bit to me if you tell him to get off the bike now does he there's no chance <laughs> clinging onto those handlebars there's no Aaron. chance my boots my gloves have all been taken <laughs> well it's brilliant to talk to both of you and we can't wait to see how you both do in 2024 thank you so much thank you Beth. Oh, thank you so good to talk to tony and aaron redmond we wish them all the very best for 2024 and if you want to keep up with their progress i've put the links on the podcast page at manxradio.com and if you have a story you'd like to tell then i'd love to hear from you beth at manxradio.com is the email address and until next time take care bye bye